0: So we've been talking a lot about where we're going next the things that we're going forward into and if you haven't been here i'll just recap for you there's basically three essential things that we sense god is calling us to do and that over the next three years we're going to try to be raising the capital towards we aren't going to go into debt let me hit that again and so if we don't raise the money we don't do these things we're not going to borrow to make this happen but i believe that our church will more than uh, raise the money for these things and uh, we'll be available to god in so many other ways Uh, beyond these, but these are the three uh, principal things that we think God's calling us to. First of all, we want to partner with a great ministry called Women's Resource uh, Center, and we want to partner with them in building a building here on our campus so that they can help uh, hundreds more families per month uh, get over the brokenness that uh, uh, this broken world brings them, and uh, they can see Christ uh, through that ministry, through our counseling ministry. So that's the first project. The second project is we want to uh, better disciple and prepare the next generation to serve our church and the churches that uh, p- kids from our, uh, our our church go out and, and live in, in in the future. And So we want to build a, a, an educational building that will be principally for the students and the student ministries uh, to develop and grow uh, those who will lead us in our future. And then finally, we want to be ready to revitalize other churches um this morning if you don't know we have a a partner campus Uh, that's the former first baptist church of mango we call it the chapel now and uh, we basically merged with them a couple years ago and and have a pastor over there and we're seeing god uh, bring life to a place where there hadn't been much for a long time and we just think that god's going to give us opportunities to do that again and again and we're going to be able to take the gospel back into the, the the cities and the neighborhoods in our region uh, and, and to be able to revitalize campuses in this way, uh, we're doing these things because we sense it's our mission, as our leadership has prayed. It's the vision that's God given us. But can I can I point us back to the to the real reason why we're doing these things? To, to even the real reason why we're gathered here this morning. Everybody gets that we're here for a purpose, right? We're here for a reason, and it has so much. You know, it, it goes way beyond the things that we specifically do in this church or that any church does in in their you know run of things. It, it goes back to that. That first time where Jesus congealed the plan for his followers. It, if I asked you when the church began, what would you say? When did the church begin? Most of us would say what? Pentecost if you have been around the Bible. There's this in Acts chapter 2. It tells a story of this day It's called the day of Pentecost and the disciples came out and they preached this amazing message Peter uh, Talked and 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 3,000 were added to the church that day and the church got going boom I think that's that's probably you know part of the early church's beginning But I believe that the early church got its true beginning at the ascension of Jesus Christ Because it's there at the ascension of Jesus Christ that Jesus said this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 he says, but you will receive power, speaking of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Who's read that one before? It's partner verse, it's handcuffed verse is Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20, and it talks about go and make disciples. It's another phrase that he uttered at his ascension. He says, go and make disciples and baptize, teach them how to obey, and, and I'll be with you always even till the ends of the earth. That's where the church started because that's where the disciples got the plan here's the mission i've been preparing it jesus says for the last three and a half years or so but now i'm leaving and you must carry it on the mission is for you to go and be witnesses to make disciples to teach people to obey so that they can join you in being witnesses and making disciples and teaching people to obey that's the church That's been the mission for the last 2,000 years of the church. It's looked different ways in different places at different times, but that is the church and its mission. Lots of us don't know what follows here in Acts chapter 1, so let me just read the verses that come after that. It says, and when he had said these things, Jesus uh, uh, was lifted up and a cloud took him out of uh, their sight. He, He ascended. He went back to prepare a place for us. Uh, when we get to see him again face to face. He says, while they were gazing uh, into the heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. When you see guys in white robes in the Bible, who are we talking about usually? Yeah, we're talking angels, messengers from God. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? And they go on in that verse to explain, you know, Jesus has left and and he's coming back and and don't worry about it. But I love that first question. Because here's the 12 disciples and you'd be staring into heaven too. If your savior started floating up into the sky, you're watching. Who's watching on that one? Anybody watching? So they're all like, oh. (laughs) I mean, until they can't see him anymore, who's ever let a balloon go, right? Right? You just want to watch it. But these angels appear. And they say to these guys these 12 guys and whoever else was there he says hey fellas men of galilee what are you looking at you got the orders let's do this it's way too many churches in the world that are uh, just staring at the heavens i got my fire in church i know who jesus is i'm ready to go and i'm just gonna wait for him to come back But that's not the mission of the church. The mission of the church is not to stare at the sky. The mission of the church is to go, be witnesses, make disciples, teach people to obey, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So glad we get to do that today, right? That's our mission. And everything that we do and have done as a church is centered on and built around accomplishing that mission. He's got Now, God's got to do it through us. It's a God-sized mission. It's never going to happen except that he does it through us. Everybody agree with me? Amen? It's a God-sized mission. He's got to do it through us. But he works through us as we are willing to do three things, as we're willing to sacrifice, as we're willing to live by faith, as we're willing to walk in commitment. Sacrifice is... Essentially, being willing to lose for the sake of the mission. We talked about that a couple weeks ago when we talked about Mary, when uh, uh, Jesus was there at, at the dinner a week before he's crucified. Uh, Mary takes this, this perfume jar, this valuable, valuable essence, and she pours it out, not just on the head of Jesus, but on his feet. She wipes her hair on his feet. I mean, it's just this incredible, lavish act of worship. And everybody around her was like, what are you doing? We could have sold that and given it to the poor. We could have used that for so many great things because, because it was, well, a very expensive perfume. It was probably her 401k. But she felt like she was being led to worship God in this way. And so she made this sacrifice. She was willing to go deep into her possessions for the sake of her Savior. Sacrifice is being willing to lose for the sake of the mission. Faith is trusting in God to accomplish the mission, knowing that I can't do it, He's going to have to do it for us. We talked about that last week. The nation of Israel has the promised land, it's across the river Jordan. It's time. Joshua is ready to lead them into the conquest of the land that had been promised to them for hundreds of years. All that stands between them is a raging river, the Jordan at flood stage. And for so many of us, there's all these hopes that God has for us individually. There's hopes that God has for us as a church, and all that stands between us is a sinful, broken world and our own mess. But God has this way of stopping rivers, moving mountains, making things possible where we thought they weren't. And we learned last week that He stopped the Jordan, the whole Mason of Israel passed over. Israel moved, though. They walked the six miles from their camp to the Jordan trusting that God was gonna somehow get them across. That's what it takes for the mission to be accomplished. Faith, trusting that God can even when we can't. Commitment is what we're gonna talk about today. It's it's staying the course for the sake of the mission. The Bible talks about it in lots of different terms. Perseverance uh, is one of the words that it loves to use. That we should persevere, we should be steadfast. Anybody heard these in church before? It means, listen. When you've chosen to sacrifice and by faith to move, it's not gonna be easy. In fact, it might take way longer than you thought. Anybody testify on that? But what you are (laughs) called to do in your relationship with Christ is trust him, not just for a while, not just for an instance, but always. And to stay with him, committed to him in the things that he's called us to in his mission. When you think about it, these early disciples, they were all three of these things. They sacrificed everything. They dropped their families and their homes and they, they followed Jesus for those three and a half years. When Jesus died and rose again, they were given this mission and they sacrificed again so that the early church could have it start. They culminated their lives in martyrdom. If tradition serves us, every one of the disciples died for their faith. That's sacrifice. They did it because they believed their savior. They trusted him. They put their faith in him. And over and over again, Jesus did amazing things for the disciples. Read the book of Acts. I mean, he just tore it up as they trusted him to work through them. But they stayed committed. And it's their commitment that allowed the early church to continue. Think about it. There were so many ways, so many times that the early church, especially these early leaders, could have just been like, that's enough. We're done. It's too much. It's too hard. But now they persisted, persevered, remained steadfast. And because they did, we're sitting here. Hi. You and I are sitting here because faithful followers for thousands of years pursued Christ through sacrifice and faith and commitment. If you have a faith in Jesus Christ, it's because they stuck theirs out. We've seen it here in our own church. Twenty-four years ago, uh, some very forward-thinking and hopeful people said, let's start another church, and they did. And the thing grew, and, and just amazing things happened. But it wasn't always easy. In 2003, they had just built this building that we're sitting in. And the pastor who had led them up to that point preached three in this in this building, and then he was done. And if you were here back then, I know, I wasn't here, but I know from hearing from you how hard that was. How devastating that was, and lots of people left, because that's what happens when churches go through hard things. It's like a mall around here; you just go go to one of the other stores. Yeah, you know. but lots of us stayed. You're sitting here this morning, and I'm looking at you, and because you persisted, because you had faith, and you sacrificed, and you stayed committed, we're sitting here this morning. I honor you for that. In 2013, many of us were here uh, then, and we decided it was time for us as a church to be out of debt, and so we talked about rising up and erasing debt, and many of you passed across this stage dropping cards of commitment to pledge you know, certain amounts of money. Many of you writing down uh, amounts like Eleanor and I did that we were like, I don't know where this is coming from, but I think that's what God wants me to do. And you sacrificed for those two or three years that we were doing this. You, 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 you had faith, and God brought what he wanted you to give into play, and, and you stayed committed to those things. And we were able in 30 months to wipe out $3.5 million of debt. That's a huge thing. Listen, and, and God has, has done this over and over again, not just in this church but in all of his churches. Why? Because the mission is a God-sized thing that only God can do, but he does it when his people are willing to sacrifice by faith, and persist in what he's called them to do. So the mission for us continues. It's in these things that we're talking about. In revitalizing churches, in partnering with the Women's Resource Center, in building another building. It could be some other things, it could be whatever. But the point is, the mission began 2,000 years ago when Jesus went up into heaven. And he told the first disciples, hey, let's go be witnesses, let's go make disciples, let's go teach people to obey, Let's make this thing happen. More people need to know about me. More people need to go to heaven. And I'm going to do that through you. Today we want to focus in on the commitment that's required for the mission of the church to move forward. And I want to answer this question in our time together. How do we follow God's leading to completion? How do we stay committed? We're going to open this text in Acts chapter 5 and we're going to see here in the early goings of the first church. Uh, that there are all kinds of uh, opportunities for the disciples to just tap out, but they stayed committed, and I, I want us to learn from those experiences. So let, let's learn this first thing: when, when it comes to commitment, you got to expect roadblocks. I think commitment's a whole lot easier if you know there's going to be trouble ahead. Like if you're like just so shocked that things didn't go well, I think those people kind of just peter off. Da, 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 da. And I'm not saying being pessimistic or cynical, but in a broken world, expect things to break. Anybody ever uh, gotten on the road uh, going to work at 8 o'clock in the morning? You usually get up earlier because the traffic's not there yet, but you get up at 8 o'clock. Does anybody expect it to be just a quick drive down to Tampa? (laughs) Who does that every morning? Anybody drive across the bay or anything like that? God bless you guys. You're crazy. Anyway, uh, (laughs) but yeah, you you just know at certain times, in fact, our GPS now has these little ribbons of red on them. Anybody seen that? Oh, great, 75. We're going to be parked on that for the next four days, right? And, and, and listen, if you know it's coming, perhaps it's a little bit easier for you to handle. It. And here's what I'm telling you. The Christ life, it's going to be hard sometimes. You're going to come up against uh, the Jordan River at flood stage before you hit your promised land. It's going to happen. And I think the disciples figured that out early on. Maybe starting with the crucifixion. Up until then, maybe it was all roses and, petal, you know, floor in the meadow. But then when Jesus was crucified, they are like, oh, this is going to be hard sometimes. It says here in Acts chapter 5 that the high priest rose up and all who were with him, this party called the Sadducees, the Sadducees were kind of like the uppity, uh, upper crust Jewish leaders. Uh, They weren't necessarily super religious or super Jewish, they were just the 1% of the Jewish culture. They were the leaders in the Jewish um, community and so partnered with the high priest, uh, the Sadducees. uh, basically filled with jealousy, they decided to arrest the, uh, the apostles and put them in a public prison. Read there, the apostles, meaning how many of them? 12, all of them, right? 12 apostles, all arrested, all put in jail. Now, you've got to understand why they arrested them. They were jealous because the apostles were killing it. They were being so successful. God was doing so many amazing things through them. I mean, just go back a little bit in Acts chapter 5. I give you permission. Read on. But in Acts chapter 5, it tells us that uh, uh, they were adding to their number daily that uh, God was doing these signs and wonders through them, that people were actually laying their sick on the streets, hoping that as pa- uh, Peter passed by, his shadow would fall on them. And they would be somehow miraculously healed because that's how much God was doing through these apostles. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And just as they were hitting their zenith of awesomeness in the early church, God has the entire board, all of the pastors, the leaders of the first church in mass arrested and put in jail. Would that be troubling for you if you were at a church and all the pastoral staff was arrested and put in jail? Who's going to preach next week? Where's this going to go? And, and keep in mind, they didn't have Christian radio. They didn't have, you know, other sermons online that they could download. They didn't have, this was the church. There wasn't like, you know, other churches. This was it. And the leadership, the followers of, of, of Jesus himself were all put in one cell on one day. That's a roadblock. Well, that's something that... Uh, Uh, We can just expect, because listen, we we, we live in a broken world, and we have an adversary. His name is Satan. He's a roaring lion, Peter tells us, and he's just seeking whom he may devour. He's always looking for ways to lead us away from the mission, to discourage us in the mission. I think the disciples understood that. And I don't think they were in that cell wringing their hands. In fact, I wish we had like a video, like you know how everything's got a, a camera in the corner now? And you can watch anybody do anything pretty much anywhere. They call it closed-caption television or closed-circuit television, not caption, that's the, anyway. And and I wish we had CCTV in that cell that night because I don't think we'd see a bunch of disciples going, oh, no, oh, no, this is it. All 12 of us in here, what's going to happen? They might kill us. I mean, we are being heretical, according to Jewish law. They killed Jesus for the same kind of stuff. I don't think, but I don't think they were doing that. You know, Thomas is in the corner. I told you guys, I told you. I don't think any of that's happening. In fact, if we have any indication from later prison scenes, like with Paul and Silas in chapter 16 of this book, maybe they were singing songs. I mean, they got you know all the parts of harmony in there, all 12 of them in there, they probably had a little barbershop thing going or something, right? And they're just hanging out, because here's the deal. They had witnessed a resurrected Savior. His prison was a grave, didn't hold him back, That resurrected Savior had told them, hey, y'all, we're going to take this message to the whole world. I'm going to use you. And so this little jail cell, come on. In fact, just a chapter before this in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had healed a a guy who had been lame at birth and uh, and basically got in trouble for that. They told the the court at that time, hey, listen, we've got to do what God's called us to do, and they kind of slapped him on the wrist and let him go. But they had all the confidence in the world that God would overcome the roadblocks. Maybe they even remembered him saying this in John chapter 13, or 16 when he said this to them. He says, I've told you these things that you may have peace. God wants us to have peace even when the roadblocks come. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. He called his shot. He said, listen, it's going to be hard. But then he said these reassuring words, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's why the next thing is so important. When it comes to the roadblocks, commitment requires us to expect uh, the hard things to come, but to expect deliverance as well. Look what it says. And Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is so perfunctory, so, so short in this stuff. He just says, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. That's it. That's all we got. Who wants more on that? I want a little more detail, Luke. I mean, did the walls shake? I mean, in the movies, the, the, the big steel door would just go, right? And this angel of the Lord would appear and say, fellas, time to go. And they'd tip through, tiptoe through the whole prison, right? Maybe Peter even tripped over the guard but they make it all the way out of this prison. What an incredible miracle. What an incredible deliverance. He says, all right, I'll I'll go back to that last verse for me. He says, uh, let's go. And, and, And as we think about these things, there's two things I want us to understand. First of all, understand this about God and his mission. He loves opening doors for us in the interest of advancing his plans for us. Let me say that again. God loves opening doors for us when it enables us uh, to advance in his plans for us. He makes his will for our lives possible because it's his will for our lives. I stood on the stage a few uh, weeks ago, probably about a month and a half now, with uh, one of my sisters from Africa. Her name is Rose. Was anybody here the day that Rose showed up? Yeah. Uh, Rose is is basically the heartbeat behind Uh, a ministry that we partnered with for the better part of 10 or 12 years called Village of Hope. It's in Africa. It's in Uganda, Africa. And it started, if you remember Rose's story, with just Rose uh, being an orphan herself, uh, living in the northern part of, of Uganda, which was ravaged by this war and this this uh, rebel army that would, I mean, it was just terrible, if you, if you heard the story. So, so, so many kids were being orphaned by uh, that war, by AIDS, or so many things, and they were being just crammed into these camps, and Rose just said, this should not be. These children need to be loved. And so she started just taking them out of the camps. She started just hanging out with them in her house. She started stacking them, <laughs> like literally. They, you know, she had like 20, 30 kids in her you know, one or two bedroom apartment. She, just, she did as much as she could with as much as she had, and she prayed a ton and she said, God, you've given me this heartbeat for these kids, and you've got to make it you know, possible for us to do more. And so God started moving the chess pieces, and he brought a, a group of uh, leaders from the states, the church that I used to be a part of in Dallas, Texas, and they, they came for an entirely different mission trip. but one of the ladies on the trip, her name was Cindy, uh, actually took like a, a day off from the actual mission trip she was on, and she went and traveled to see Rose, uh, who was a sister of one of the hosts. I mean, it's just way too weird for this to not to be God, right? And she meets Rose, and her heart breaks, and she comes back, and she resigns from her post, and she just decides, Lord, however you could use me to make it possible for Rose's mission and vision to be a, a reality, just start to do it. And so that she partnered with our old church and with us, and we, I mean, it just it rolls out from there. We got involved. We bought the first property that was uh, the first village of the Village of Hope. Uh, we did it for $18,000. It's like, you know, I don't know how many acres, 40 acres or something like that. It was a good deal. And... Uh, <laughs> And we, we bought all this land, but it was just this rough. I mean, if you've ever been there, you've got to drive off the road and then off that road and then off that road to get to where this village is. It was nowhere. But God brought a, a guy named Mike and his wife Janelle, and they sat right over there. They had been pastors in this community. They had been wounded and had left ministry because of it. They came here to heal. Happens a lot. If you're here, good to have you. But they came here to heal, but it just so happened to be at the same time that we were starting this partnership with Village of Hope, and it just so happened that they used to be missionaries to the eastern side, or the western side of Africa in a place called Sierra Leone, and it just so happened they'd always been open to going back, and so it just so happened that they did. <laughs> and Mike partnered with the, the the local men and women of, of Uganda, and, and they, they built this first village, and kids started flying out of this camp and into this Village, and, and over the last 10 years, listen, here's the deal, Rose, who started with just taking a few, now has over 500, and yeah, and our church and other churches has been a partner. now listen, and here's the deal, Rose by herself never makes that happen, it's an impossibility, but God, who has all the resources in the world, parked most of them here in America, just so you know, but who has all the resources in the world, starts moving the pieces around to where all of a sudden the vision that he has through this woman that he loves is accomplished through the churches that he's made so that his plan can go forward. It's just how he works. God loves opening the doors so that we can accomplish what he's called us to do. God also opens the doors with an eye on us using that blessing for his name's sake. Look what it says next. So the, so the angel comes, opens the door, takes him out, and this is what he says to them. Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Time out. They had just gone to jail for standing in those same temple courts speaking about this life. The angel gets them out of jail. Now listen, I don't know about you, But if you bust out of jail, you're sticking around, who's seen the fugitive? Anybody seen the fugitive? (laughs) No, you're trying to get some distance between you and that jail. Whether it was a miraculous deliverance or not, you're now not only a heretic who's been arrested because you're preaching a false gospel, according to the Jewish leadership, but you're also a jailbreaker. Uh, Double dip in there. You need to get your orange jumpsuit off and you need to get out of town. But the angel system—we're not doing that this time, or any time. <laughs> when God delivers you, it's for a purpose, and your purpose, as you remember, you got it at the ascension. You're supposed to go and make disciples. You're supposed to be witnesses in Jerusalem. Guess where you are? Jerusalem. So I want you to go, and I want you to start doing the exact same thing that got you arrested in the first place. <laughs> Most of us, your pastor included. When God blesses us, we think, yay me, look what I got. Look how, look how much God loves me, especially the Americans in the American church. This is a, just a, uh, does everybody understand? They're like, I, I could throw out percentages, but they'll be made up, but you'll believe me anyway because we all read the internet. But uh, <laughs> there's tons of resources in the global church. Did you know that most of them sit in America? And you guys think it's just because we're the coolest country. God loves Americans more. It's obvious because look at all we have, right? But is it possible? It is. That God has blessed us the way that he's blessed us because he wants to use us to bless all the other Christians who don't have as much. That God has given to us our freedom. He's opened for us our doors so that we could be used of him in all the other needs that his mission has. It's true. It's true. And so when God blesses you, don't let your first thought be, how can I spend this? How can I make my life better with this? This must be all about me, because God loves me. I'm special. (laughs) No, maybe it's God blessing you so that you can bless others. There's been certain times in my life as a pastor where uh, it was touch and go as to whether or not I was going to keep doing this. And uh, one of those times was uh, when I was a youth pastor, and my kids were really young, and we were living on one income, and uh, things were tight. We had a lot of bills and not enough check. Who's with me on that, anybody? One particular month came, and it was like, uh just one thing after another things broke in the house our car broke down uh the the bills were mounting we didn't want to go into huge debts to be able to provide for these things and it was discouragement upon discouragement it was right around the same time though that god brought this guy to our church named Monty. Monty had been through his own disappointments his marriage of like 20 years had dissolved and uh, it was just it was heartbreaking for him heart-wrenching uh weirdly it had been the thing that god used to bring him back to himself in lots of ways and so he landed at our church and landed actually in our youth group. He started serving in our youth group. This guy uh, who had some kids that age, he wanted to be around his boys during this tumultuous time in their family, and so he just started showing up in our youth group. Now, Monty came from oil, oil. Uh, he had oil money. Uh, he didn't even have a job. He was just living off of the, the oil rights on the property that he and his family owned. And so uh, he was kind of, you know, 45 years old, and just kind of chilling, Uh, He was a man of means, as many people were in that region of uh, North Texas. And so um, God put it in his heart to start using the things that he had uh, for God's glory. And he just decided, for whatever reason, to start blessing people. Just, you know, just pray and ask God, how do you want me to bless? Who do you want me to bless? And he would just go and do it. Well, God used money in that time of our lives. Uh, We we were just getting to know each other. Uh, He took an envelope and he put 10 $100 bills in an envelope and he set the $1,000 dollars on the chair in my office after youth group one night, and the next Thursday morning I walked in and there was a thousand bucks. Just so you know, a thousand dollars covered all of those extra things that were happening that month so that we could make it happen. Now here, here's, here's the great part of that. Some of you are like, I wish I had a friend like Monty. Um, <laughs> the great part of that is that two things came of that. Because Monty was willing to understand that his blessing wasn't just about him and that he was you know, to, to give so that others, here's what happened. God used Monty and that gift to affirm to Eleanor and I that He is faithful, and that He is able to overcome whatever stands in front of us as roadblocks, and and so I, I don't see any gifts or any blessings as being just kind of oh that's a neat thing. I see it as God's strate- strategic moves to accomplish His mission and to keep people who might flame out and flake out otherwise from doing so, because that's what happened in that time. That was a huge faith boost for Eleanor and I. We never saw it coming. For a long time, we didn't know who gave it to us. It was only later that we found out it was Monty. And when we found out it was Monty, we both just hugged him, because it was huge for us. It wasn't nothing for him, it was huge for us. That was also a time where in Monty's life, he figured out, you know what, God's, even though my life's broken, I'm divorced, even though all these things have happened in my life, God still has huge things accomplished through me. And his faith spiked. And so when blessings happen, when God opens doors, don't think, me, yay, me. Think he, and what does he want from me and for me. And then stay in the game. It's last thing. Stay in the game. Stay in the game. So the angel tells them, all right, go. And this is what they did. The next day, when they heard this, the emperor entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Who was up at daybreak this morning? I guess it's not that early yet, but uh, 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 you know, daybreak is a special time. Most of the people aren't moving yet. You know, some of you might be, because you're like, I'm in a morning person, you know, whatever. Um, I, I'd sleep in every day if I could, because I like sleeping. But uh, daybreak is this unique time. And, and, and listen, the disciples. <laughs> had been told to go to the same place they'd gotten arrested. Maybe they'd wait till noon. You know, kind of pray a little bit. You know, make sure that the angel hadn't messed up the message. You know, throw out some fleeces. Are you sure, Lord, you want me to go? And okay, all right, well, it's getting later. No. Sun's up, they're in the temple. They couldn't wait to stick their nets out for Jesus again. You got him out of prison once. What's going to happen now? I mean, I'm sure they were preaching for the sake of the souls that they were preaching to, but I bet you they were wondering, like, man, this is going to be great. <laughs> it's crazy that they broke out of prison. It's crazier that they went back. That's what true commitment looks like. True commitment is when we obey what God leads us to do, no matter how it looks to others or how it feels to us. No matter what the risks No matter how it looks to those who who are, has anybody ever done something for God and the people around you are like, you're going to do what? Like some of you might be praying about being a part of the Go Forward campaign and and, and you're going to mention a number to your spouse and they're going to say, pardon me? That's crazy. And you need to get together on that, just so we're clear. But don't let the fact that something sounds crazy keep you from doing it. It might be exactly what God wants you to do. Don't let yourself talk yourself out of it either. Oh, how many times has God called me to do something and I just didn't feel like it was the right time? It was going to make me uncomfortable. It was going to take me past what I'm used to. No, God says it, trust it, obey it. He'll open the doors because he's in the business of opening doors so that his mission can be accomplished. Paul told us this in Philippians, familiar verse for all of us. He says, I am sure of this as he speaks to his friends in Philippi, that he who began a good work in you will be, uh, bring it to completion at the day of Christ. He says, listen, I don't know when it's going to be finished, I don't know how it's going to be finished, but I trust that whatever God starts, he finishes. That he wouldn't call us to something that he didn't want for us to accomplish in his name. The story unfolds from there. Can I just read the rest of it to you? This is uh, when the high priest came and those who were with him uh, came with them, they, they called together the council and all the senate of the people of Israel and they, they sent to the prison to have them brought out and, and when the officers came, they did not find them in prison, no kidding, they weren't there. So they returned and reported. You think they ran to the courts to be like, sorry, we lost them. Right, he says, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple, which is a kind of a police force there in the temple uh, courts, and the chief priests heard these things, they were uh, greatly perplexed, no kidding. Wondering uh, what this could come to. I mean, how'd this happen? And, and someone came and said, look, <laughs> the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. <laughs> I mean, this is so great. And when they had brought them, uh, uh, oh, excuse me, I, I skipped over. So then the captain with the officers went and brought them, uh, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. They were starting to catch on. Uh, these guys are not prisonable uh so uh when they had, when they had brought them they sent them before the council and the high priest questioned them and this is what he said to him he says we strictly charge you not to teach in this name not to talk 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 to people about jesus yet here you have filled jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us Does anybody remember what they said at the trial where jesus was convicted they had a choice between uh, jesus and a hardened criminal a guy by the name of barabbas And they chose this guy Barabbas, and and Pilate says, are you sure this guy hasn't done anything wrong? And this is what the crowd says, many of whom were probably sitting on the court that day. May his blood be upon us and our children. Selective memory these guys, right? They'd already said, hey, let his blood be upon us, but now they were accusing these disciples of saying that they were the ones who killed Jesus. This is what Peter said. Peter and the apostles answered to them, we must obey God rather than men. Let me kind of cut this trial off here at the beginning because you're going to make all your claims, but the bottom line is going to be we're going to follow what God says, not what you say. And then many of us kind of stop there because that's a great verse, but can I, can I read the next verses to you? Here's what he says next. <laughs> Peter says, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins, and we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. You know what Peter went off and did in his trial? He preached the gospel that got him arrested in the first place. To the ones who had put him in jail, he said, do you know that God loves you and has a plan for your life? <laughs> to the ones who had said, you are trying to put the blood of Jesus on, him, on us, he said, you're the ones who hung him on a tree. <laughs> that is crazy and awesome. Because the disciples truly didn't fear. The disciples knew that as they sacrificed by faith, God would open doors. He's got them. He'll be faithful to complete what he starts. I could trust him. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. It's not about me pleasing man. It's not about me pleasing me. It's about me honoring God. So they didn't know what to do. They decided, the next verse, don't look at this. The next verse, it says, uh, the, the, the guys in the court wanted to kill him. That's the next verse. I'm not going to read it to you, but that's what it says. They wanted to kill him. But this guy, Gamaliel, who was a wise man on the court, says, fellas, you can't kill these guys. You'll be next. Everybody in town will kill you if you kill them. No, 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 no. Th- th- that's not the move here. Instead, here's what we've got to do. We'll, we'll give them a good stern talking to, and we'll beat them within an inch of their lives. We're going to give them 39 lashes. That's what a flogging was. In those days. And so the disciples, 12 of them, all lined up at the pole, 39 lashes. That's what it tells us in verse 41. Or verse 40, if you can put that book. No, first, yeah, there we go. And when they had called in the apostles, they, they beat them, and they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Yep. <laughs> and, and then they let them go. And here's what the disciples did. And they left the presence of the council, licking their wounds and saying, that was a bad idea. That really hurt. Maybe this gospel thing costs too much. Is that what the disciples said? No. They left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple, (laughs) from house to house, they did not cease teaching about their Savior Jesus. They stayed with the mission. And may God grant us the same grace as he opens doors for us to stay with our mission. It's just a part of the 2,000-year plan of Jesus to reach the world. And so as we go forward, let me finish with this. Uh, we want to be ready to serve Him, and so the ushers are going to come forward now, and they're going to hand out these cards. I hope they're ready to do so, and uh, I'm just going to uh, just go over real quick the commitment card that we're going to use next week. Uh, these are going to be handed out to you quickly by our ushers. Uh, thanks, guys and ladies. Uh, and as we're doing that, uh, I just want you to understand that uh, when we give, when we sacrificially by faith give, uh, we want to give as God leads us to. All right, so here's my hope if i have a hope for us in anything that we do whether it's this or rise up when we did that or anything that we do as a family if you're not a part of bay life and this isn't your church that's fine you can just listen to the rest of us but for the rest of us that call this home if this is your home if you're a member if this is your family even if you're not a member and this is the place where you go i would love for all of us to do whatever god leads us to do for all of us to be a part of this together to give as god leads you there's no specific percentage there's no specific whatever amount but everybody does something uh, whatever God's called us to do, we get to share in it together. We get to uh, shoulder it together. And it gets done as all of us do our part. I also want to remind us that as we give, if we decide to give over the next three years towards the $2 million that will go into you know, providing for all these projects to happen, uh, it's above and beyond what we already give. If you're already giving to our church, like you gave in the offerings before this, those are what keep the lights on and allow us to do the ministries for all we're already doing. This is above and beyond. And so uh, as you pray about it in your home or in your family or just by yourself, uh, remember that, that, that this is uh, something that we're hoping it goes above and beyond. Now, now here's, here's why my confidence in us being able to do anything that we uh, sense God leading us to do is, is it's possible, because uh, there's about 1,300 to 1,500 giving units. When we say giving units, it's either a household or a single household or something like that that are a part of our church, I have given in the past, and And uh, the uh, median salary in Hillsborough County as of 2015 was about $52,000. Now, you uh, might make less, you might make more, okay, but that's why it's a median. It's kind of somewhere in the middle. So if everybody in here just gave what the Bible subscribes is probably a good place to start, a tithe, a tenth of your offerings, or a tenth of your your take-home, that would be about $5,200 a year. Is that right? Sure. Uh, (laughs) Bible school, no math. Anyway... uh, $5,200 $5,200 a year, you know, multiplied over by 1,300 or 1,500 people, we're talking somewhere between 6 and $7 million a year if everybody just gave a tithe that we would have for our church. We average somewhere around $3.2, $3.3 million a year. That means that some of us aren't giving as much or that maybe, maybe we have a lower, whatever. So many of you give so faithfully, I'm so grateful. But here's the point. If all of us gave just some, if all of us just gave, you know, what the, what the Bible says is, is the beginning point, we'd never have to have a giving campaign. Because we'd have all this extra money, and we'd just be laying around and we'd be ready to do whatever we wanted to do with it. Are you with me? So that, that encouraged me in a couple ways. First of all, we have so many places that we could go and growing in our giving as a church. I know many of you give faithfully, but some of us don't, and maybe this is your opportunity to start. All right? And certainly, we have all that we need. Whether you're here in the room or you're with us online, we have all that we need in those who call Bay Life home to accomplish what God's called us to do. I believe that with all my heart. All right, so everybody got a card? Let me just briefly explain this, if you could open it with me. Pretty simple. You're going to have a chance if you come next week or any time during the week to uh, indicate what you're going to be doing with us as part of uh, Go Forward. Uh, As you prayerfully consider it, you're going to say that you're going to give X amount over the next three years uh, to, uh, to the Go Forward campaign. You can indicate under that how that gift is going to be given. If it doesn't happen exactly like you said, don't worry about it. Uh, we're just trying to be able to make plans according to pledges. You sign it, you put your name down. We will get, contact you and thank you, thank you, thank you for your pledge, and then uh, encourage you and all of us as we uh, see God uh, work through us to completion the things that He has, we'll see all the things that He has for us accomplished in His name. Amen. So that's next week. Pray over those cards. If you don't have a, a giving guide, that's kind of you know a, a further explanation of the ways, Uh, that we're going to be serving God here in the next three years. You can grab one of these at guest services. We would love to have it uh, in your hands so you can understand what the project's all about. We'd love to see you next week as we give. As followers of Jesus Christ, we've been given a mission. And for the mission to happen, God has to do it. And it happens because He uses us as we sacrifice by faith and follow it to completion. I pray that He does that for us as we go forward. Amen. Lord, thanks so much for Your Word. As we... uh, transition now to baptizing some folks we're grateful for the opportunity to do that and uh, we thank you for being faithful uh, to us as a church and bringing people to yourself um, seeing folks go from death to life by their faith in christ Uh, we rejoice in the decisions that we'll celebrate in the pool in just a second we rejoice in who you've made us as a church in our 24 years we've gone through uh, awesome good times and some difficult hard times but you've always been faithful to us We trust that you're going to be faithful to us as we go forward with you into what's next. We thank you, Lord, for your love for us. May we love you in return and honor you with sacrifice and faith and commitment. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.